0: All right, I invite you to turn this evening in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. We've been uh, kind of studying this passage here for a couple weeks now, and uh, it's, it's been a rich blessing to me. I think uh, Proverbs is, is definitely one of uh, my favorite books of the Bible. I think probably if someone asks, well, what's your favorite part of the Bible? i be honest with you, probably the part that I'm reading right now, I'll be honest with you. But uh, this is a chapter, this is a, a place that I, I like to go to, and I, I find comfort and strength uh, from the Lord. As we look into His Word, we praise the Lord for that. So tonight we're we've been kind of looking at um, the first ten verses or so um, of that of of this uh, passage here. And again, uh, Proverbs here uh, again it's a lot of what we say principles. It's not necessarily just promises. Um, We didn't share it this morning, but we talked about parenting. There's obviously a famous verse in Proverbs. Later on, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Some people have claimed that as a promise. If I train my children this way, they will 100% turn out this way. But that's not a guarantee. It is a principle, though, that if you generally teach them the word of God or teach them the ways of the Lord, generally they will go in that direction. Uh, But uh, anyways, uh, this is kind of what we have here. But there are, in Proverbs chapter 3, the first 10 verses, there is actually uh, a few different admonitions or advice uh, that are given from a father to son. We, We believe that this is written by King Solomon. And as he wrote, maybe to one of his gazillion kids, he had a gazillion wives, must have had a gazillion kids. Uh, But you can imagine, uh, I'm I'm hoping he had enough wisdom to sit down with his children at least at some point in his life and impart God's truth. I think probably towards the end of his life, he probably did do that to some degree. I uh, I think it's generally believed that he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes kind of more towards the end of his life, for example, and probably many of the pro- Proverbs as well. He even wrote a couple of the Psalms. And so uh, he was a very talented man. He was a very wise man. And so we would uh, expect from a man of great wisdom that the Lord had gifted him that he would also uh, give us something that we can glean from today. And so Kind of starting out, this is kind of just a, a very quick review in uh, Proverbs 3. Again, there are, this is kind of like a, uh, a going back and forth. You have a, here's a command from a father to son. And if you follow this command, this is the result. So you have the command, and if you follow it, the result. You see this played out here in the first several verses. For example, my son, forget not my law. keep Let thine heart keep my commandments. And here's the result if you do that. Length of days and long life shall they add to thee. Uh, you go on, verse 3 to verse 4. Uh, verses 5 and 6, we'll stop there for a second. Here's the here's the command. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And if you do that, here's the result. He shall direct thy paths. All right? So, and then verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. That's the command. And then what's the result? Verse 8. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Uh, last week, we covered that in verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. We talked about honor, uh, the blessing of honoring the Lord. And what was that blessing? The result is in verse uh, 10. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. In other words, God will bless you abundantly above you, all that you can ask or thank, is the idea. Now we're kind of shifting gears again. And this, what we're going to be looking at today in verses 11 and 12 predominantly is kind of a, a, a the next part of this chapter. And it begins this way. Verse 11 says this, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. So verses ten and, or 11 and 12, as we look at it here, is kind of a, this is like the second thought. Why do we know that? Because look at how this chapter in Proverbs is, is designed and set up. This is the author's intent. He, he wants you to notice something. You Notice how verse 11 starts. My son. When the, and you find that commonly throughout Proverbs, but especially in this chapter, look back at verse 1. My son. So all of a sudden, it's like he's, the author is throwing this out there as a new thought. Here's a new section. I want you to pay attention to. So you're, you're shifting from these commands, and here's the result of that. And now he, he's going on to a new phase, and this really begins verses 11 through 20, is kind of the section that we're in now. And uh, because why? Look at verse 21. Verse 21 again says, My son, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep sound wisdom and, dis- and discretion. And so what do you see? That's the third section. So verses 1 through 10. You have that one section, verses eleven through twenty. Here's the other section, and now twenty-one through the rest, and you find out the the third section. So that's how Proverbs three is divided in three parts. So kind of look for those clues, if you will, just to help understand the structure of the book or the structure of the chapter. Okay. So this here in verse eleven, these this verse, these two verses especially denote a new section, or I would say a renewed focus of the father's advice to his son. He's giving some practical advice on what it means to follow the Lord and the blessings that come from obeying the Lord. And now he gets onto a kind of a new focus. And he talks about wisdom and how about, how God's wisdom works in the lives of his children and those who follow him. And so the focus here though is something that we usually balk at. It's something that we usually look the other way or we cringe even a little bit when we hear this and he says this my son listen up despise not the chastening of the lord neither be weary of his correction oh man this is hard to hear this is this is hard stuff to hear about god's discipline to hear about uh, correction all, all that and i think maybe sometimes our response to it, without digging deeply right now into this sometimes our what we say our initial reaction our knee jerk reaction when we see this sometimes is reflected in kind of our upbringing, the way that you were brought up, maybe how your uh, parents uh, disciplined you. Not every situation, I'll be honest with you, has been pleasant for people. Um, unfortunately, there is discipline where it's gone to abuse, and we highly regret that. This, that's something that should not happen in a home. Uh, so people's reaction to discipline and to correction um, sometimes are varied in that. But what does God mean, though? What is God trying to show us about himself? And this is something I challenge us to look at. When we look at a passage of scripture, what is God wanting us to know about himself? So no matter what your experience has been in regards to discipline or chastisement, correction, punishment, whatever it may be, let's see what God the Father, what his intent is for this and how it relates to us as a children. So the first f- fact of the matter as we see this here is that, number one, that God disciplines his children. God disciplines his children. So we, we do know that. And let's look at a couple verses of why that is. And uh, there, uh, we're going to look at some basic ideas of God's discipline. And, and by the way, back a few months ago when um, Dave was going through his uh, 40-year journey through Hebrews, uh, or <laughs> felt that way, right? Uh, he he actually did talk about that, um, I think maybe one or two Sundays, if I remember right. Uh, and so some of it's going to be a review, but I also kind of want to re- look at a refreshed uh, look at this too. So what does this mean when it says here about the chastening of the Lord or the correction of the Lord, and what does his discipline look like? So look with me over in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses 5 and 6, okay? Uh, tell you what, I, I like to have this a little bit interactive on Sunday evenings. Would someone like to read those verses? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. Anyone like to read those? Harvey? Okay, Please. okay so very good so as we see this and actually this is a quote here of proverbs proverbs 3 where we just were at okay and so uh as we look at this we say here despise not the the chastening of or the discipline of the lord or faint not or don't be discouraged don't lose heart when you are rebuked of him it's interesting it's a little bit different wording than proverbs 3 even though it's a direct quote and without getting into the big semantics of it, the reason is this is a quote from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. That's why it's, it's read a little bit differently. So it's actually from a translation, interestingly enough. Anyways, that's the, the brain nerd or the word nerd <laughs> in me. But nonetheless, God does discipline his children. God doesn't discipline. He punishes the wicked. In fact, he will even destroy the wicked. Okay. When you read about the uh, imprecatory prayers of the Psalms, for example, you have that. But let's look at this um, in the chastening of the Lord. Let's look at this in a practical example. Revelation chapter three, Revelation chapter three, in verse nineteen. Oh, get the wrong. Okay. Who would like to read read this? Actually, hold on one second. I think I wrote down the wrong. Uh, Yes. Okay. Revelation three nineteen. Who would like to read that? Mandy. Okay. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Okay. Chasten, chastisement, discipline has that same same idea. Who is, uh, well, really the words of Jesus here, who is Jesus speaking to? Speaking to a church, body of believers, the Laodiceans in particular, okay, of uh, the seven churches here in Revelation. And so who does God chase? it? Who does he discipline? He disciplines his own. He disciplines his children. So th- that's, that's just the basic idea we have. So in looking at that, let's go back to, to Proverbs 3 now, Proverbs 3. And as we look at this here, my son despise not the chastening Lord, neither be weary or be discouraged of his correction. And so what does God's discipline look like? I think that's kind of an interesting thought. Uh, I want to kind of go this quickly because we're going to settle on something what I believe this passage is kind of showing us here about God's discipline. First of all, that, and this is from... A website called Got Questions. It's a good resource uh, as far as knowing a little bit about the Bible, things like that. And uh, this is something that they put in. What uh, what does God's discipline look like? Uh, they say here that God may use trouble at work, hardship at home, or even travail in ministry. For example, Paul had many difficulties in life. So, in a sense, God used circumstances in life to discipline or to correct His own or to get their attention. Okay, We see that through Paul's journey in particular. Another way we see God's discipline, what does it look like? God may allow us to experience loss. Uh, Think of David after his sin with Bathsheba. Of course, they had a child, and that child died. And that was a loss that they experienced, and that was, in a sense, God's chastisement. It was God's discipline. Not pretty, not pleasant, but God used that to get uh, David's mind back on track. Another thing that God may send physical ailments or even death. Um, we find this in the church of Corinth, for example, when they mistook of the Lord's Supper uh, in kind of a, a flaunting way, really. And the Bible says, Paul says that many of them even sleep or they have died because uh, they took the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Okay. Um, I think another uh, instance, actually, it's interesting how the book of Acts kind of starts with the birth of the church. Things were going great, and all of a sudden, Acts chapter 5, you have Ananias and Sapphira who lied to the Holy Spirit of the, their gift that they had brought, and God judged them immediately. Talk about church discipline. I mean, they were struck dead. All right? So uh, inter- interesting uh, look at that. Another thing, too, is that, and this is amazing when you think about it, God sometimes will simply allow the natural consequences of our sin to run their course. Uh, we are forgiven but are corrected so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. In other words, sometimes God just, you sow the seed, he's going to let you reap it. You reap reap what you sow, okay? That's kind of the the principle we have. Sometimes God allows it simply just to run its course, okay? so But as we look at that, a lot of times when we think about chastening or we think about discipline, we're thinking of God's punishment. And sometimes we see God, a lot of people see God, Sometimes uh, they, they think of that in regards to maybe their own upbringing or what they have seen. Sometimes people think of God as an old schoolmaster, just rough and gruff, and he's there with that ruler and ready to smack you on the, on the knuckles, you know, the moment you get out of line. I had a teacher when I was in elementary, believe it or not, and she was very strict and very hard on her students. Uh, and I'll never forget this to this day, but, you know, we were writing out our spelling words or whatever we had to write. I forget what it was now. But if she didn't think your penmanship was up to par, she simply just grabbed your paper and she threw it in the garbage. This is third grade. <laughs> and, uh, well, I learned to do it right after that. Okay, put it that way. But uh, but nonetheless, it, it was just kind of rough and hard. And a lot of times we imagine God in that, that position. So so what does this mean here in Proverbs, though, as... as um, Sometimes we take verses and we isolate it or we compare it to other parts of Scripture that doesn't always even though it uses the same wording, and even though Hebrews 12 uses even the same verses, what does Hebrews 12? What is Hebrews see if you guys remember this. What is the book of Hebrews? Who is it written to? People who are going through what? It begins with a P. Persecution, Exactly. They're going through persecution. So was the persecution that the, 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 the Hebrews audience, was that a part of, of chastisement? Was God getting after them because of some uh, uh, out, outrageous sin that they had committed or, or something like that? Not necessarily, but they were going through persecution and God was using the tool of persecution to, to direct them. Uh, in the way they should go, and how to trust the Lord, even when they thought about just quitting and giving up. That's where, and it just comes off of uh, the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. So, but here in the Book of Proverbs, though, let's look at it in context, and then tie it in with what I believe, at least. And you, you know, if you think otherwise, is fine. But as we look at this, I think here's some general principles—not again a promise—but some general principles that we can look at as we see how God's discipline works as god is the wise almighty creator of us in the world and i think this is really amazing we think about it so when we look at this verses 11 and 12 my son despise not the chastening lord neither be weary of his correction for whom the lord loveth he correcteth even as a father the son in whom he delighteth so in context i believe this we got to look at things in context what what does that mean I like to use the 2020 principle. If you have a question about a verse or two, look 20 verses before and 20 verses after. It's the 2020 principle. all right? as you look 20 verses before, 20 verses after, at least you should get a fair idea of what this passage is about. Remember this, what has just been going on here? Think in context, you have the father giving commands or advice to his son. If you do this, this is the result. This is how you will be blessed, okay? And now we come here to this practical understanding. My son despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be beware of the, uh, his correction. The Lord loves who he corrects us as a father in whom he delighteth. And so what this is, is this is what I believe is, in this context, like the father is giving verbal advice to his son, here we see God's verbal chastening or discipline to, to his own. Okay, And so, what do we mean by that? Again, the commands of the father to his son. you got verse 1, verse 3, verse 5, and verse 7. This is to be compared with verse 11. My son despised not the chasing of the Lord. So, in other words, here's the big point. Just as the father is giving advice to his son, we have a bigger picture now of how we're getting advice, and that is wisdom. Later on, and actually you're going to see this here in the next few verses, uh and then later on in uh in proverbs chapter 8 you see wisdom or or lady wisdom if you will uh the or the woman of wisdom who is giving advice to all who would hear the simple that pass by listen to what i have to say okay and so what does what does wisdom wisdom is a voice that corrects and when we think about discipline there's many ways to discipline in fact you don't necessarily discipline your child in the exact same way. You do with what they understand and what they relate to. Sometimes a verbal discipline like, you know, sit down or stop doing that. Those are ways that we correct. And and for some kids, it should be understood. And, you know, some of my kids even, I say that and, oh, oh yes, dad. You know, some people respond that way. But let's look at some examples. Uh, hold your place here in Proverbs 3. Go back to chapter 1. Oh, and let's look at just a couple verses, how, what this looks like. Wisdom is a voice that corrects. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 23. Here is Lady Wisdom speaking out. Listen, just as the father ta- talked to his son, here is now Wisdom speaking. And this is what it says here, in verse 23. Turn you at my reproof. reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you, and I will make known my words unto you. So again, it's kind of that warning, and I will give you that advice. Okay, verse twenty-five. But ye have set at naught all my counsel; you would uh, none of my reproof. You have those who the, the simple they they plug their ears. No, I don't want to listen to you. They walk away, and and Lady Wisdom is giving a warning. Don't do that. Okay, be open. Look at verse thirty, chapter one, verse thirty. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. And this is, again, the reproof that Lady Wisdom is making. Listen to me. Listen to what i got to say. Shape up is the idea. Okay, she is correcting is the idea. And so this is why now back to chapter 3, here he is saying this. My son, listen up. Despise not the chastening of the Lord. Listen, be careful. And so here's the thing. Here's the point. Verbal discipline both teaches and corrects. That's the goal of discipline. But verbal discipline, when you, when you do that, you're teaching as well as correcting is the idea. Okay, So I think here's another practical aspect of this, and this is where I kind of want to pause for a moment tonight, and we might not get much beyond this, but I think this is worthy of study here. I believe this is also to be compared. These two verses here are to be compared to another set of instructions that was given to a man, to his people. And that is Moses to the children of Israel. Hold your place here in Proverbs three, and go back to Deuteronomy chapter eight. Deuteronomy chapter eight. As we've been studying through uh, Proverbs chapter three, I think there's there's some interesting parallels that you have between these two passages. That that uh, I be honest with you, it's it's a rich study. So we'll see how how deep we get into it tonight. Okay. Look with me in Proverbs or excuse me, in Deuteronomy eight, beginning in verse one. All the Moses is saying this here, all the commandments which I command thee this day, or the Lord through the Lord, Moses is giving this, all the commandments which I command this day shall ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Okay? Skip down to verse five, and this is where it gets interesting. Verse 5 says this, Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. All of a sudden, we have some parallels between Proverbs 3 and what happened with Moses or with God and the children of Israel here in the wilderness in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And so as we think about this, here's a couple things I want to point out. There's, we'll look at a few verses here in Deuteronomy 8. Okay? Uh, first of all in verse 1 here if you notice this this Moses is instructing or God is instructing the children of Israel if you uh, all the commandments which I command this day shall ye observe to do or be careful to observe them why that ye may live okay you got your did you hold your place in Proverbs 3 go there and look with me in verses 1 and 2 watch this Okay, Proverbs 3, 1 and 2 says this. My son, forget not my life. Keep my commandments for length of days and long life. You will live. You see how that parallels in Deuteronomy 8, verse 1? And now you see that here in verses 1 and 2 in Proverbs 3. It's the same same concept that you have here, okay? So the next part here is this. In verse 5, we, we already read it back in Deuteronomy 8, how that just as a man chastens his son, the Lord will chasten thee. Okay, go over here to Proverbs 3, verses 11 12. We just said, despise not the chasing of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth as a father, the Son in whom he delighteth. That's a parallel back to Deuteronomy 8, verse 5. You see how the, those are connected beautifully. Okay, here's another one. Go back to Deuteronomy 8. Okay, we're going to have fun tonight going back through these. Okay, Deuteronomy 8, verse 6. here's it says here therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the lord thy god to walk in his ways and to fear him all right this reminds us back in proverbs chapter 3 verse 7 be not wise in thine own eyes fear the lord and depart from evil again you have that parallel command And, and then back in uh uh, Proverbs 1:7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, so you you have those parallel thoughts that are going through Deuteronomy eight and Proverbs chapter three. Let's look at another one. Okay, look with me back in Deuteronomy eight verse seven. Deuteronomy eight seven says. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water and fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, and a land that there wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, that thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills may bring uh, thou dig brass. Okay, Uh, verse 10, let's uh, close it there. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Okay, and then uh, you can look on later, but all the way to verse 13 kind of has that connotation of the blessings that the Lord gives to his children who follow him. All right, compare that now to uh, back in Proverbs chapter 3. All right, it says here in verse 7. In all thy ways acknowledge him; he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes; fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, marrow to thy bones. Honour Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all increase. So thy barns will be filled with plenty, presses shall burst out with new wine. Again, God in those verses here, it's a parallel. It says, if you follow my commands, if you trust in Lord, if you trust in me, I will bless you abundantly with everything you could ever ask for. Proverbs 3 says this, The wise son who listens to the father's advice, he will also be blessed beyond measure. Everything will be provided. There's, again, a parallel thought there. Okay? Let's let's do another one. All right? It gets better. (laughs) All right? Go back to Deuteronomy 8, starting in verse 14. Okay? It says here, Then thine heart shall be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt in the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, and where there was no water, who brought thee forth a water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which as thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good at that latter end. And thou shalt say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath got me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto his fathers as his day. Verses 14 through 18 parallel another part of Proverbs 3. Look back in Proverbs 3. What does that sound like? It's Actually, there's a couple verses here, but verse I think it beautifully parallels verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Verse 7 says this. Remember the the warning was back in Deuteronomy, don't think that you did this all yourselves. Don't think that you've arrived and you have it all figured out. Why does it say that? Because Proverbs 3, verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Okay? This is how God blesses those. So another area that we see this is back in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. But skip over to verse uh, chapter 9, just a few verses up, but chapter 9 in verses 3 and 4. It says, Understand, therefore, that this day that the Lord thy God is he which goeth out over before thee as a consuming fire, he shall destroy them, he shall bring them down before thy face. So shalt thou drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord has said unto thee speak not thou in thine heart here's the point speak not thou in thine heart after that the lord thy god has cast them out from thee saying for my righteousness the lord hath brought me into possess this land for the nation or for the wickedness of these nations the lord doth drive them out before thee so as we look at this here what the command is it goes back to proverbs 3:5 israel should trust in the lord with all their heart that's the point Of that passage. Israel should trust in the Lord with all thine heart. We also see that they should trust God's provision. Uh, Back in Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, He humbled thee, He suffered thee to hunger, and He fed thee with manna. Okay? He gave them bread, He gave them water out of the rock. We saw all those verses there. In other words, the point is this that just as in Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10, thy barn shall be filled with plenty, uh, all that. Trust God's provision. That's the point of this. So here's the the end result is this. The focus here of... Let's kind of uh, land now a little bit with all that. Let's kind of bring this plane to a landing. Proverbs 3 now, verses 11 and 12. What then does God's discipline look like, and especially his verbal discipline? If you listen to God's instructions and his correction, his teachings, what will be the blessing? In other words, here's the thing. For a child of God, as it was for Israel... The focus of God's discipline in this passage is not necessarily God's punishment, but God's provision. We probably don't think of it this way. It's kind of foreign to our concept, but God's discipline is really his provision for us. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. God's discipline is his provision for us. So here's the point. Israel was brought to a place of need to learn that there's more to life than just simply satisfaction of a need. They were then to have a trusting relationship with God. That's the point of Proverbs 3, is to have a trusting relationship with God. And so God, in his verbal correction, what does he do? He, he basically says, you need to trust me. I'm going to allow things to happen in your life that you could come back to me. Israel failed to learn that lesson over and over, didn't they? They failed to trust God when it mattered most. They were looking for the satisfaction of their needs. Even Jesus, when he came uh, to this earth and he did those many miracles, remember when he fed the 5,000? There was people that followed him, and even after the feeding of the 4,000, people just followed Jesus simply just for the bread, simply just for the miracle, just to have their personal needs satisfied. But why did God do that? He wanted people to simply trust him as, as, as Lord. In Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 2 says this, that she or Israel obeyed not the voice and she received not correction. She trusted not in the Lord and she drew not near to God. The thing is this, we need to be ready and able to hear God's disciplining voice to teach us and to correct us, to allow things that happen in our life and say, God, what do you want me to know about yourself? And as we do it, we should develop a stronger trust in the lord for who he really is and this is a a challenge i think that we need to on a daily basis that we should not despise the chastening of the lord neither be weary of his uh or to be disgusted is kind of the idea of his correction for whom the lord loves he corrects as a father and a son in whom he delights in other words god gives us his instructions his discipline, if it were, to bring us closer to himself. Why? That we can learn to trust him more. God leads us along. He leadeth me, O oh blessed thought. He led them through the wilderness, and, and, uh, and we see that. And the end result should be for us, in, wherever we wander, that God, as he provides you, we will trust him even more. Discipline is not always comfortable. Definitely is not. But when we hear God's voice of correction, we should respond just as the Father told the son. We should listen also to the voice of the Lord, that we would not refuse it. We would hear it, and we would respond to a loving God and trust him stronger every day.